Well, good evening. Well done to everyone who's took part so far. You've done very well. And I'm sure the rest of you who are yet to, you'll do just as good. And we look forward to seeing what you're going to say and everything that you're going to do. But just now, I've got to um, bring a message as, what's your name? Daniel. As Daniel uh, called me up to do. So, <laughs> so just um, as I begin this message tonight, I just want to ask a few questions really and just set our mind on these questions because I believe that the verses I'll be speaking on tonight you know really answers um, these questions and so they are why is it that, that Christ commanded his disciples to go into all the world and to preach the gospel why is it that his disciples did so even to the point of death where many of them died as martyrs? Why is it that throughout history, even to the present day, men and women have left everything to go to nations far and wide, even risking their lives, many losing their lives, just to share the gospel? We see it from the the martyrs of the early church to the martyrs of the Protestant Protestant Reformation to modern day martyrs. Countless men and women have given their lives for the gospel. And the question is why? Why have countless men and women been willing to lose everything for the gospel? Some for preaching it and some simply just for believing it. Why? And so with those questions in mind, um, I'll be speaking from the book of Romans, chapter 1, which was read earlier. But it's two verses really, and it's the last two verses it was read. Um, verses 16 to 17, so I'll read them again just to remind us of them. That's Romans chapter 1, verses 16 and 17. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. See, Apostle Paul speaking here, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The righteous shall live by faith. And so here we have the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Rome in the first century. And so the first few verses, which were read earlier, which I didn't take time to read there, verses 8 to 15, we see the Apostle Paul writing to the church and saying to the church why he's coming to Rome. He tells them that he is coming, and he says why. And of course, that's to preach the gospel to those that are in Rome, so that they may, he may also have some fruit among the Gentiles there in Rome. Basically, that people will be saved and converted and put their trust in Jesus. But then in these two verses, which I've just read, verses 16 and 17, he tells us why. He tells us why he wants to go to Rome to preach the gospel. And in these two verses, we find three statements each one giving the reason for the statement before it. So we see the immediate reason, and that's because he's not ashamed of the gospel. Then we find the reason why he's not ashamed of the gospel, which is a second statement, and that's because it is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And then we find a third statement, and that's why it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And that's because in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. That, of course, being the the third statement. And so we'll look at each of these statements individually, and no doubt we'll find the answer to our questions at the beginning. Why have countless men 
and women giving up everything for the gospel. Giving up everything for the gospel. And so the first thing we see is that the Apostle Paul says there in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. This is the reason he wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel, because he is not ashamed of the gospel. He wasn't ashamed, but rather he was proud. He was proud of this glorious gospel. So much so that he was willing to go to the capital of the world at that time, Rome. He was willing to go to Rome and risk his life and preach the gospel. Now, me. Sounds strange to us, living here in England, as we, as we look back and we think of the Apostle Paul, a, a mighty man of God who was mightily used by God, who planted many churches. You know, it might seem strange for, us, for Paul to say, I'm not ashamed. But like in Paul's day, just as it is in our day, from the world's point of view, the gospel is something to be ashamed of. The Romans, they, they prized, you know, strength, and, and might, that's, that's what they held in, in high value. And yet the gospel speaks of a God who became a human being and died upon a Roman cross to save his people from their sin. Then we have the Greeks, they prize themselves on wisdom and philosophy. And yet what they were being told was about a God dying for the sins of his people. Of course, to them, this sounded like nonsense. This sounded like nothing to be spoken of. And then we have the Jews. They were waiting for a military figure to come and to conquer the Roman Empire and hang the kingdom back to the Israelites. But yet what they were being told was that the Messiah was the suffering servant found in Isaiah 53, Jesus of Nazareth, whom they had crucified. But yet here we have the Apostle Paul, and he valiantly claims, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Though the whole world may be ashamed, though the whole of society may be ashamed, he says, I am not ashamed. He was breaking the norm, if you like, going against the whole fabric of his society. And that's because he knew the truth. The gospel had saved him and transformed him. He was changed from a persecutor of the church to a leader in the church. He was changed from a murderer to an apostle. And though the whole world may be ashamed of the gospel, he isn't. He isn't. And what I've said so far is summed up well in his own words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, when he says, For the Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And so this is the reason Paul is not ashamed of the gospel, because the gospel is the wisdom of God and the power of God, as we see there in verse 24 of that passage. And of course, that leads on to the next point, why Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. But before we look at that, we must have it clear in our minds, what is the gospel? What is it that the Apostle Paul is saying that he's, he's not ashamed of? What is the gospel? And basically, the word gospel means good news. Good news. And simply, it's the good news of God's love to lost sinners. And this was shown by him sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, into the world to die for their sin, to die in their place upon the cross, bearing their sin upon the cross and taking the wrath of God upon himself. Three days later, the Lord Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And so this means that all that believe in Jesus, all that turn from their sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they shall be saved. They shall be forgiven for their sin and brought back into a right relationship with their creator. 
And this is the gospel. This is what the Apostle Paul said he's not ashamed of. This is what the Apostle Paul was going to, pro, um, um, to Rome to preach. That whoever believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, not just Jew, but Gentile, they shall be made right with the living God. We see a great example of someone who is not ashamed of the gospel in the English reformer and martyr, Hugh Latimer. Now he's one of those people that was willing to give up everything for the gospel. Hugh Latimer was born in Leicestershire in the late 1400s. He was raised a Roman Catholic on July the 15th, 1515. He was ordained a Roman Catholic priest. And he described himself as obstinate a papist as was any in England. Basically, in other words, he was a strong Roman Catholic. And while carrying out his duties, he began to continue his theological studies. And his, his dissertation, if you like, or the final paper for his degree was actually a refutation of the ideas of the Reformation. I've understand that there's about four or five big words that I've just said there, and hopefully some of the young ones will grasp what I've just said. But basically it was against you know, the teachings of the Bible. It was against the teachings of the Bible. That was until one day a man called Thomas Bilney, who was a recent convert to the teachings of the Reformation, he came and spoke to Latimer. And from that point onward, from that day forth, Latimer was touched by what was said and what he heard and he embraced the doctrines of the Reformation and he lived to proclaim the gospel. He stood up for the gospel, for the Bible to be put in English and he also stood up against uh, Roman Catholic errors. On 1554, on the 14th of April, he was put on trial. He was put on trial for preaching the gospel and for the things he was standing up for and in October 1555, he died a martyr's death by being burnt at the stake. Latimer was not ashamed of the gospel, so much so that he didn't recant his beliefs, but rather he was willing to be burnt for his beliefs. He was burnt at the stake along with another reformer called Nicholas Ridley, and he was unashamed all the way through. And we know this because of his final words to Nicholas Ridley. So as the flames are coming up him, and he's tied back to back with this man called Nicholas Ridley, who also was a reformer. This is what Latimer said to him. He said, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. That's the words that he said in his dying moments, as he was being burnt for the gospel, Instead of recanting, instead of wailing, he said to the, the man he was tied to the post with, Be of good comfort, Master Ridley, and play the man. We shall this day light such a candle by God's grace in England, as I trust shall never be put out. And we praise God for such men, for we are the fruit of their suffering. I recently was speaking to someone, he was saying, when he was in Sunday school, they used to sing, Latimer's light is still shining bright. And we praise God that is uh, still true even today. And so as Christians, you know, do we have this same resolve? Are we unashamed of the gospel? You know, does it cause us to live differently in our, in our day-to-day lives, at school, at university, at work? You know, do people know that we believe the gospel? And we're not afraid to show it by the way we live. Do we live differently to those around us? Some of us here, of course, most of you are on the front row. You know, we're still in school. 
And I believe in England, school is probably one of the hardest places to be a Christian in England in our day and age. And, you know, you probably face being bullied, you know, people making fun of you. You know, maybe you'll even be tempted to, to pretend you're not a Christian or, or that you don't go to church. But, you know, when these things do happen, we must always remind ourselves that Jesus himself was hated. He, he said that, that they, because they hated me, speaking of himself, you know, they'll also hate, hate us. That's what Jesus said. And so we may lose friends, we may even be bullied. But, you know, we must never be ashamed of, of the gospel of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be willing, you know, to, to face these things because of what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. So I just want to just say that to the people on the front row. You know, it's not going to be easy, especially in school. And people will make fun and people will mock, you know. But we must stand up for Jesus. Stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. But even further than that, as obviously it comes to all of us, are we sharing this gospel? Are we making this gospel known? Are we so unashamed of the gospel that rather than keeping it a secret, we're willing to tell people about it? Like we see with the Apostle Paul and Hugh Latimer. Augustine once said that the cross was a pulpit in which Christ preached his love to the world. And the question is, are we making this love known? Can that be said of us today as we sit here in Paynton? And now maybe, you know, you're here, you're feeling guilty because you have been ashamed of the gospel. Because, you know, you have denied it in front of your friends. Or maybe your friends don't even know you're a Christian. But, you know, praise God, we serve a God of grace and a God of love and a God of mercy. And if we, and, and if we call upon God and ask him for, to forgive us and to help us never to be ashamed of the gospel again, by his grace, he will. You know, we must ask God to help us to be bold and to be strong for the gospel, especially in our day and age when so many people are against what we believe. And so the first statement was that the Apostle Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. And now we see why he's not ashamed of the gospel. And this is the Apostle's second statement, and it's found there in verse 16. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so this is the reason the Apostle Paul is not ashamed of the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everybody who believes. And this is the answer to our question at the beginning. Why have countless men and women given up everything for the gospel? Why have they risked their lives, left their loved ones, left their possessions for the gospel? The answer is because it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Not just our neighbour in England, but also to the cannibals and tribes out in Africa to the people in South America and Asia and all over the world. The gospel is a power of God and salvation to all who believe. Why do you think men and women have left everything and got to tribes where they haven't even got a written language? And yet they've, 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 they've created a written language themselves and written it in the scriptures and gone to lengths such as that. All because the, the gospel is a power of God and to salvation to all who believe. To all who believe. And this means that the gospel and the gospel alone is only what can save us. The good news is that, that Jesus Christ died a substitutionary death upon the cross in the place of sinners so that they can be forgiven and brought back to God. Now this statement declares the fact that the gospel is from God. You know, in our day and age, many people want you to think that it was of man's devising, that the gospel was made up by men. 
But yet we know for a fact that it was revealed by God. The gospel is from God and it was God's plan from beginning, from eternity past. And the Apostle Peter makes this clear when he says that Christ was slain before the foundation of the world. It was God's plan from day one. And of course this claim is further backed up by the wealth of prophecies we find in the Bible. Beginning in Genesis chapter 3, when after Adam and Eve fell, God said that the seed of the woman will crush Satan's head. Speaking of, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way to John the Baptist in the New Testament. The last prophet, of course, other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Old Testament prophet, if you like, that was in the New Testament. And he saw the Lord Jesus Christ and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so because this message is from God, it is the power of God for salvation. And Paul was not ashamed to preach it. He tried to earn his salvation. He was a Pharisee. He kept the law meticulously. But yet, he didn't know God. He didn't have peace with God. But as soon as he was saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that all changed. And of course, we have his own words to um, back this up. He says himself in Philippians chapter 3, it says, though I myself have reason and have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count all things loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order, to, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. A righteousness from God that depends on faith. And this of course leads on to the second part of the statement. The gospel is a power of God to who? To all that believe. Salvation is received by believing the gospel, by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, the gospel is a power of God unto all who believe. 1 Corinthians 18 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. The message of Jesus Christ, who he was and what he has done is the power of God unto salvation. And we receive it not by our good works, not by being good people, but by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, salvation is salvation from sin. So that means, yes, we're forgiven for our sin. We're saved from its guilt in the eyes of God. But we're also saved from its power. We're saved from the power of sin. When we believe the gospel, we become a new creation in Christ. And God enables us to live a holy life. We are given a new nature and new desires. You know, this doesn't mean that we're going to be sinless, but by God's grace we can lead um, holy lives. And this means that the gospel is a part of God unto people such as heroin addicts or to people who, who are criminals. It doesn't matter who they are, the gospel is a part of God and salvation to all who believe, not just the good person down the road. But to everyone, no one's too old, no one's too sinful. The gospel is the power of God unto all who believe. The Scottish evangelist from the 1800s, Duncan Matheson, he he highlights this point well. When recalling the day he got saved, he says, I was standing on the 10th of December, 1846, at the end of my father's house. 
and meditating on that precious word that brought faith through countless weary ones. And the scripture is John 3.16. He says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, I saw that God loved me, for I was one of the world. I saw the proof of his love in the giving of his son Jesus. I saw that whosoever meant anybody and everybody, and therefore even me, I saw the result of believing that I would not perish, but have everlasting life. I was enabled to take God at his word, I saw no one but Jesus only, all in all in redemption. My burden fell from my back, and I was saved. Yes, saved. Why have countless Christians like Duncan Matheson given up all just to preach this gospel? Because they know, because they've been saved through it, and they know that it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believes. And the question again comes to us sitting here in Paynton. You know, do we believe this gospel? Have, have we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says that, that Jesus is the only way to be saved, the only way to be forgiven. And of course the question comes, is Jesus your personal saviour? Is Jesus your saviour? And if you are saved, then the question comes, are we sharing this gospel with the lost? Are we telling our neighbours, our friends, our school friends, our work colleagues, are we telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ? The Apostle Paul reminds us that unless they're told, they can't believe. He says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in him or whom they've not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And again, this isn't to make anyone feel bad. But it's to stir us up to tell people about our wonderful Saviour. To tell them that if they believe in Jesus, they will be saved for all eternity. All of their sin can be forgiven and they can be made right with the living God. They can know God for themselves. And so we've seen the Apostle Paul isn't ashamed of the Gospel. We've seen why he isn't ashamed of the Gospel. That's because it's the power of God for salvation. And now the third reason Paul gives for why the Gospel is the power of God for salvation. And that's because... In the gospel, the power, the righteousness of God is revealed. And that's in verse 17. I'll just take time to read it quickly. It says, For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so the reason why the gospel is a power of God for salvation is because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. And our commentators interpret this in a number of ways. Some take it that through the gospel, God's righteousness is made known. But then if that's the case, if that's the true interpretation, then why does that explain the gospel is the power of God unto salvation? It doesn't really explain what Paul, the point Paul is trying to make. Other commentators take this phrase to mean that, 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 that through the gospel, God's righteousness is given to sinners. It's what's known as justification by faith. In other words, when we believe in Jesus, yes, we are forgiven for our sin, but also because we are united with Christ, we are given his righteousness. His righteousness is transferred to our account. It's like we've got a, a debt, we're in debt, and not only does the Lord Jesus Christ pay our debt, but he also gives us a million pounds to go on our way with. Yes, our sin is forgiven, but we are also given the righteousness of Christ. His righteousness 
is given to us. And that's what I believe the Apostle Paul means when he says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. And there's just three reasons why, and I'll just quickly go through them. One is because this would explain why the gospel is the power of God. Which is, of course, the Apostle Paul's point in saying this very thing. Secondly, because of the words after the phrase. He says, from faith, for faith. So this points to the interpretation that Paul is speaking of justification by faith. Because he's saying that God's righteousness is revealed from faith, for faith. And thirdly, because this interpretation is also consistent with Paul's writings elsewhere. We saw it earlier in the Philippians passage I quoted, and I read it again. He says, Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. And as the verse 17 in our passage makes it clear, it's only by faith. It says there, from faith for faith, which probably means from faith beginning to end. It's basically all by faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The NIV translates it from faith first to last. And then all this is confirmed by the Apostle's quotation of Habakkuk there in verse 17. He says the just, or the ESV, what I've got here, says righteous. The righteous or the just shall live by faith. And so this is the reason why the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Because through it we are justified by faith. We are given the righteousness of Christ. When God looks at us, he doesn't see our sin. But he sees Christ's righteousness. J.I. Packer is very helpful when he says, Justification is God's act of remitting the sins of guilty men, accounting them righteous freely by his grace through faith in Christ, on the ground not of their works, but of the represented law-keeping and redemptive bloodshedding of the Lord Jesus Christ on their behalf. And of course, this points to the truth. The reason why I went through all that, and I, and I stressed the point, and I wanted to make it clear, is because this all points to the fact that our good works will never save us. Coming to church will never save us. Being a nice person will never save us. Giving money to charity will never save us. Saying our prayers will never save us. Only faith in the Lord Jesus Christ will save us. We sang it earlier, to trust and obey. Only by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done upon the cross, only that can save us only that can save us and as i come to a close i just want to ask is your faith in jesus are you trusting in jesus alone to save you from your sin are you trusting on your works your church attendance your law keeping which the bible makes clear can save no one and so in conclusion we've seen the apostle paul in these verses makes three statements The first statement is he's not ashamed of the gospel. The second reason is why he's not ashamed, and that's because it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. The third statement is why is the power of God? And that's because through it the righteousness of God is given to believers. C.H. Spurgeon, the famous Baptist preacher, once said, I bless my Lord and Master. He has given me a gospel which I can take to dead sinners, which I can take to the vilest of the vile. A gospel which is available for the vilest of the vile. If you're not saved today, will you believe this gospel? This gospel which can save you, which can bring you peace with God. And if you are saved, will you share this gospel? You know, the baton falls to us as God's children 
on earth at this time? You know, will we walk in the footsteps of the saints who have gone before, who have given up all for Christ and his cause? Why have countless men and women given up everything for the gospel? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. To all who believe. Just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and for the fact that in your word, Lord, we find the way of salvation. We find you revealed and the way you have made, Lord, to come into a relationship with yourself. And I just pray for any here who aren't saved, just do pray, Lord, that you work in their lives and that you save them, Father. And Lord, for those that are, just pray that you stir us up to share this gospel, Lord. Help us never to be ashamed of it, Lord, but to be proud and to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I just pray for the, the young ones here, Father. I do pray that you draw close even to them and that they will remember something of what's been said tonight and that they will not rather than be discouraged because they're getting bullied at school, Lord, but rather they will see that they're to be proud of the gospel, Lord. It's something to want to share and to be proud of, Lord. I just pray you draw close to them in this coming week at school and throughout their remaining years at school, Lord, that they will know your presence and your help even as they will possibly go through tough times, Father. Continue with us in the service and help the young ones as they continue to lead and take part. In Jesus' name, amen.